Hello, and welcome to the Should I Go See It podcast, where almost every other Friday, we take a deeper dive into the one-sentence reviews on shouldigoseeit.com. This week, we'll be discussing Fast 10, The Little Mermaid, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, The Boogeyman, Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. Wow. Jesus. And I'm your host, Bill George. Uh, with me, as always, AJ Rebecca and super producer Craig Stanton. Welcome, gentlemen. What's up, boys? Not as always. I feel like I haven't been on in a month and a half. Bill, Craig, it's great to see you both again. Um, AJ, good to I'm have sorry you back. I missed... Oh, thank you. Uh, last episode, I was on the links for charity, and the charity was my wallet because it was a cash <laughs> game. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we had a little delay because our uh, super producer, as you call him, Craig Stanton, uh, got hitched. The old ball and chain. Yes. Congratulations, Greg. Right. Congratulations. Thanks, boys. We were, AJ and I were honored and, and lucky to, uh, privileged even to attend and be groomsmen. And we thank you for that experience. And it was, uh, it was a wonderful time. Hey, I thank you. It was great. It was a blast. Uh, yeah, off without a hitch. Got back from our honeymoon a few nights ago. Um, feeling great. Uh, let's go through a couple things real quick about your uh, nuptials, your uh, wedding. Uh, where did you go on your roast, honeymoon? Roastmywedding.com. Uh, <laughs> where did we go? We went to Europe. Ever heard mm, of it? Uh, big we continent. Went to, sure. <laughs> we went to Amsterdam and then Paris and then Venice and then Sorrento. Whoa. And then Rome. Wow. Wow. Okay. wow. Big That's trips. all of it. I think yeah. they had basically the world. It was a big trip few follow-up questions um one is the food in italy as good as everyone says it is yeah you want me to take these one at a time or is there going to be a list <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i'm doing one at a time yep uh food in italy is very very good uh the only place that the food wasn't very very good like exceptionally good is sorrento but sorrento is just like a touristy beach town so mm. like whatever lower your expectations accordingly sure. um but in we went to Capri, we went to Venice, we went to Rome. Like there, yeah, I mean the food is exceptional all the way around. Uh, well, what about Italy food versus Italy food? Uh, well, that's How really close. more of like a text-based joke. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if the audience necessarily got that. But it's a lot less. It's a lot less of like the pasta with red sauce than you would think. Like that's kind of like a. Like in Rome, there's a lot of that, but in um, on the coasts, it's a, that's a lot a of lemons. Prevalent. A lot of lemons, a lot of olives. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of seafood, a lot, lot of lemon, a lot of olive, a lot of pasta, obviously, but it's not all like, you know, uh, yeah. bolognese yeah. Yeah. out here. A lot of Guido food. Okay. Bolognese. Second question uh, Is Paris as much as a dump shit show as people have been calling it? Yes. Oh, it is? Yeah. It's fun. It's a, it's a good time. But sure. it is definitely a dump and definitely a shit show. I wouldn't say it's any more of a dump or a shit show than, like, New York City. Um, and plenty of people like New York City, and plenty of people live and enjoy New York City. I'm not yeah, one of those true. people. Uh, <laughs> but, like, it was cool and it was fun. But, like, yeah, it's definitely a fucking fuck show over there for sure. Mm. I, we, I know someone who just came back from there as well, and they were underwhelmed by the Eiffel Tower. Your thoughts? Um... Uh, what were they expecting it to sing and dance? Like it's just uh, I don't know. <laughs> but I just thought it was iron. It's just a bunch of iron sitting there on the ground. I mean, it was cool. We went to it. I saw. It. I mean, I had never been before, so it was definitely like on the list. Um, I don't think you need to go to it 
if you know what I mean. Like seeing it from a distance is perfectly fine. Like you don't have to see it mm, up close. Uh, like it's scale. not like it. Gotcha. Yeah, it's got a modern Marvel episode. Yeah, you don't have to go there and be like, oh, how is this constructed? You and certainly don't have to go up it. We didn't go up it. That's a waste yeah. of time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I Yuck. I think my prop my expectations were properly dialed. It sounds like your your pal may have thought it was something more than it was good, but it's just like a big ass monument, basically. It's a it's a lamp post with a publicist, as they as they said on time. Yeah, <laughs> lamp post with a great publicist, exactly. And then my last question is, what was the best sex show in Amsterdam? <laughs> oh my god, I thought that question was going to go. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was your stopping mid sentence there. So we actually didn't go to a sex show in Amsterdam. We were okay. in the red light district. It was nighttime. We were sort of half in the bag. We were like walking up and down. You're getting like, they're like, you know, tapping on the glass, trying to get you to like come in and whatever. It's like a very, yeah, it's a very uh, singular and interesting environment. But we were like, you know, if sex shows were a thing that were like, the only reason we're even considering going to watch two people have live sex on a stage is because we are allowed to. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is mm-hmm. this something right. we're actually interested in doing? Or is it something that, oh, I mean, just because you can do it doesn't mean you want to do it, I guess, is the point. Right? Like, so we were like, you know what? It's, it's a crime of opportunity. Yeah. We're going to pass. Yeah, it's we're going to exactly. pass. Because it feels like if this was the type of thing that was available in our home country, it would not be the type of thing that we would go to and enjoy. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so we, we passed true. on it. There was also big, like, there were like long lines, and it's just like, I don't know. I don't need that. Who wants to do that? I don't need that? that in my life. Yeah. yeah. No, no. So funny aside from your wedding, Craig, you had a wedding in Philadelphia. Uh, Bill and I took uh, Wanda, which is the name of uh, Bill's red Tesla. Mm -hmm. Scarlet Witch. The Scarlet Witch. (laughs) Uh, So the trip normally takes, what, five and a half hours normally on a good day? I'd say five and a half is average. Yeah. So Bill and I... uh, it took what almost eight eight hours to get down to Philadelphia. Seven and a half on the way down. And I about would eight say. hours. Now the funny thing was, is uh, Bill has to go to a charging station to charge his car because I mean that's a long trip and Teslas don't last forever. And the charging station that Tesla put us was at where Bill. So it was at the American Dream Mall, which is a I believe a new or newish or newly remodeled mall. Uh, and it's similar to Patriot Place for our New England fans. It's it's right outside MetLife Stadium, just like Patriot Place is right outside Gillette. It's like a new shopping area. Uh, so that where is where it directed us to do a quick supercharge while we were in route. Yeah. Now, the funny thing, which wasn't really funny, was that same night was Taylor Swift's opening night at MetLife Stadium. And every single teen, tween, yeah. and in between from fucking northern <laughs> Philadelphia to the tri state area, you might yeah, say. Yeah, was just descending on it. And we were walking. Because we were arriving right when like parking gates were opening, essentially. And we didn't see all the hoopla. We got into the mall, and the mall's the biggest mall you've ever seen in the world. And we go up the escalator, and there's two things that are going on. Everyone is dressed like they are, like, I'm on acid. Like there was pink cowboy hats and glitter on people's faces and whole sequins, a lot of sequins. bodies painted and whatever, which I was so angry at that point. I didn't realize. And then Bill was like, these speakers in here are really loud. And these speakers in this mall were pumping at like <laughs> his Apple watch was probably like, you know, dangerous noise. <laughs> yeah, levels. And by the third song, Bill looked at me and he's like, do you realize all they're playing right now is Taylor Swift on repeat? And it was like, you know, like the, the crash zoom yeah. pan out, just like <laughs> yeah. gun in my mouth. And I was like, we need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, the plan was to take a break, check out the mall, grab a bite to eat at the food court, and we get to the food court. And that's where it was like really 
congregated. And then AJ, and we're we're hungry at this point. But I want to jolly like, nope, beef nope, fried chicken go. for God's sakes. You don't AJ see that just, every day. We gotta go. We gotta go. AJ starts <laughs> rushing us out. And then when we leave, we don't know our way around, obviously. And the GPS takes us the way it normally would. But how it normally would has been rerouted in the parking lot for the Taylor Swift concert. So now we are in a line of cars going right into the belly of the beast. <laughs> uh, we got to bang a Yui through fences yeah. and get the hell out of there. But luckily, oh my god! But we made it to the rehearsal dinner on time. That's we did. Matters. We got. We were able to get in the shower, and then luckily, next to me at the rehearsal dinner, there was just a bucket of Miller Lights that you graciously put out, and I was just literally leaning over every I don't know ten seconds, just crushing light beer. But we made it. We did it for you, and I would have done it a thousand times over to see you and uh, Christine get married. So it was a lovely time, and thank you again to echo Bill's sentiment for inviting us and having us down there. But this isn't about you. Or, or us. Truly. <laughs> this is about cinema and television. It's about the silver the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, AJ, you saw a film since our last yeah! episode that uh, we had previously reviewed. <laughs> sure did. I, what was your take on the Mario movie? I fucking love that movie more than I should have loved that movie. I was sh- shocked when you said I, you loved it. I, you were shocked. I was shocked. I was going into that being like, you know what? This is going to be fucking stupid. It's going to ruin my childhood. Like, this is idiotic. And... It was absolutely incredible. They knew exactly what they were doing, what they were making, how they did everything, the Easter eggs, the sight gags, mm-hmm. the weird characters that you might have seen once or twice in games pop up that had, like, you know, pretty good screen time. Like, the way they uh, brought personality to the different Koopa troopers and, like, that little blue sprite that was existential oh, yeah. in, the, in the cage. Yep. It was just really well done. The only thing that I knocked on, which is the same thing that you knocked on, was Fred Armisen as uh, Cranky Kong was one of the worst voice acting gigs I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, that was a big miss. That and the licensed music were the only things that I really took it to task I didn't for. Even, I didn't even have a problem with the licensed music, yeah. to be honest with you. Um it was great. It was great. I, 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 the the world is now their oyster. I think. Oh yeah. Uh, we joked about how they would do a Smash Brothers movie to like culminate this entire thing. And between, you know, in the movie, there's a fight scene between Mario and Donkey Kong, and it's done in a way that I'm like, oh yeah, they can a hundred percent create a Super Smash movie that would make <laughs> all the money, zillions of dollars. <laughs> yep. Um, but it was great. I loved it. Um, it was fantastic. Nice. Glad you enjoyed. In a month, that was probably the only thing I watched in a movie. But Bill, what did you see? Well, we have a lot of reviews to get to that I've seen. But as far as recapping older things, I went back and re or not rewatch. Excuse me, watched for the first time Sam Mendes's film Revolutionary Road. Mm. It's just one of those ones that I remember seeing the the trailer and the commercials. I remember it got a lot of buzz, but for whatever reason, I never got around to seeing it. And I popped open Max. Uh, and it was there, and uh, actually part of what made me watch it too was one of the, uh, I think it was Variety, one of the videos where actors recap their entire careers. I was watching Michael Shannon do his, and he mentioned Revolutionary Road, and they showed a clip, and I was like, you know what? I never have seen that. So uh, so I watched it, and you know, it was fantastic. Uh, the performances, obviously, Leo and Kate Winslet reuniting post-Titanic uh, were incredible. The direction was great. The writing was great. Um, yeah, it was, you know, it's a classic, you know, a modern classic for a reason. And I'm glad I finally got around to it. So good stuff. I mean, that, that scene of them, there's a video on YouTube. I'll try to send it to you, but, um, 
there's this scene in the movie where Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio are having like the ultimate just marital fucking screaming match at the top of their lungs. <laughs> right. And they there's a video online of the YouTube that shows the video in real time and then has um, the script, the actual script on the right. It kind of goes up oh, yeah. with as they're talking and just see like we talk a lot about like improv and being in the moment, but there's also this level of being such a good actor where you can read a scene like that word for word and not ad lib it, do it exactly how it's meant to be written and still have the conviction of like what a normal life fight would be between a married couple in the 1950s and 60s. Yeah. And just execute. It's just fucking, it's amazing. Well, that kind of brings us into the news. Speaking of scripts and what's on the page. Hey, nice. Sorry, my general. Sorry. So if you probably hear in the background, I have a gen, I have work going on in my house and I'm it's just fucking it's a madness. It's shit. Hope fuck. Everything is just a mess right here. So sorry. Script talk 101. That's what we do. Michael Shannon. Uh, did he <laughs> did, did they fuck the fish? He was the guy who tried to find out in the movie <laughs> Shape of the Water. All right, Bill, um, because there's so many things that we're going to do today and talk about. Um, let's go right to in the news. We'll talk about the news. Do you want to talk about the news? I would love to talk about the news. Yes, AJ, please. What is in the news? Bill, uh, while we've been gone, there have been a handful of updates in the ongoing Hollywood writer strike. What did we miss? And where does it stand today? All right. So a couple updates. And gentlemen, feel free to jump in uh, with any thoughts as we go here. But to get everyone up to speed, the writers have now been on strike since May 1, so we're like a month and a half in. And as of this recording, there's still no real sign of change or being any closer to an agreement. But some of the things that have happened, the Directors Guild, uh, the DGA, have a preliminary agreement with the studios in regards to their collective bargaining, which is coming up. So they haven't actually done it, but they've kind of handshook ahead of time uh, an agreement. And reports are that they got everything they wanted and more, and that includes some of the things that the writers are demanding, like increased mm. foreign streaming residuals. Uh, Interesting. So most people believe that this is the studios trying to remove some of the writer's leverage because they can't lean on a possible DGA strike to help them because they've already made agreements. And it also just indicates the lack of respect that the studios have for writers, that they're just going to instantly give all this to the DGA and the directors but still hold out for those things for the writers. Yeah. But that's fucked. it also could publicly could backfire on the studios because now it appears obvious that they could give the writers these things, and they just aren't because uh, they just did it for the DGA. So we'll kind of see how it how it plays out. Here's a, a couple funny side notes that I've kind of read into and looked at. I don't know if they're true. I'm going to look at you to be like my um, my politico, my checker right I'll now. Try. Is that uh, we've talked about Max HBO Max a lot. There's two things that I I read about HBO Max was one of the reasons reasons they dropped the name HBO is that in the writer's contract, it says they write for HBO and the HBO network, and for them to rename it Max and drop the HBO, it it reduces the amount of uh, royalties that can be given to writers because it wasn't part of the HBO name in their contract. Oh, I have not heard that one. Now I thought that was bullshit. Crafty. Now I thought that was bullshit. And then Bill, the other day, you were like, "Have you looked at the info section on movies?" And it doesn't say yeah. director, producer, writers. It just says creators, and there's just a simple byline that just has four or five creator names that are attached to movie projects or, or TV projects, which is 
insane. That one, they already got a lot of blowback, and they claim that that is simply an app programming issue where like it, they couldn't easily translate, for whatever reason, the listings in the HBO coding, uh, HBO Max coding versus the new Max app coding. And so they like, for them, just to get the app out there ASAP, they just call the creators and they'll figure it out later. So they say that that yeah. fix is coming, but yeah. who knows? I don't buy Fucking it. losers. Uh, meanwhile... Wait, one more yeah. thing. One more thing is we're seeing more projects shut down as well because there are people, directors, producers, actors that are not only a part of the Actors Guild of America, the Directors Guild of America, but also are in the Screenwriters Guild of America. Right. And they're not going to cross the picket line because they are actually, even though they are on a set as part of the Actors Guild of America, they are still part of the Screenwriters Guild of America too, and they're not crossing the picket line because that would be you know, in bad taste yeah. because they are members of that union as well, which is crazy. Well, speaking of sort of the delays and the slowdowns, uh, some of the notes I have about that, uh, dozens of huge movies have now been given, that have already had release slots coming up, have now been pushed back because they can't start production mm-hmm. because the scripts aren't done. And that includes stuff like the Avengers movies, the rest of the MCU slate, some of Disney's shitty remakes, uh, the rest of the Avatars, plus all the TV, like Last of Us 2 uh, is now going to get pushed. House of the Dragon is shooting right now, but if they have reshoots, they can't do them until they have the, the new version of the script. Uh, so a lot of stuff is starting to get more and more impacted. And the final news item about this is the next guild to bargain is the Screen Actors Guild. And that already has a little bit more juice because ahead of their bargaining, they had a strike authorization vote amongst their members, and the majority, like the resounding majority, said yes, which means that when the representatives of the SGA go in to bargain, they know that if they don't get what they want, they can comfortably go to a strike, and they won't get blowback from their membership, because they all resoundingly voted they're fine with it if they have to do that. And now if the screen actors go on strike and the writers are still on strike, that'll be the first time ever there's a double strike and Hollywood would just completely grind to a halt. Wow. What happens at that point? Does Bob Iger take a fucking fucking head plan off the Magic Kingdom? I mean, they would have to come to the table and figure it out <laughs> uh, or else nobody's getting any money. And it's just reality TV for the rest of our lives. Ugh. So... That's the latest. The, the biggest thing right now is just keeping an eye on what else is getting delayed or pushed or canceled um, and what happens with the Screen Actors Guild. Wow. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Well, hopefully they can figure something out because, like you said, if this doesn't get resolved, then there is no content and then it's fucking Vanderpump and The Bachelorette for the rest of our lives in that case. Yeah. Yep. I'll join Bob Iger with the fucking backflip gainer. Back, backflip <laughs> off, off Tinkerbell's perch. <laughs> Uh, All right, Bill, let's get into the 17,000 reviews that we have for this week. So this week we will be talking about Fast X, The Little Mermaid, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, The Boogeyman, and Transformers Rise of the Beasts. So according, is it Fast X or Fast 10? Yeah, I was just about to say, what's what's the, I mean, we're all Apple people here. We should know that when you see the X, it's a 10. It is 10. It is 10. It's a Roman numeral for 10. It's the 10th movie. Yep. Okay. I don't want Dom Toretto to come after me. So Fast 10, according to IMDb.com, Dom Toretto and his family are targeted by the vengeful son of drug kingpin Hern, Hernan, Hernan, Hernan Reyes, Hernan. <laughs> don't even know who that's from and what of the 10 movies he came in. So Bill, should I go see it? No, no. 
So let me say a few things about the Fast franchise, if I may. Um, go fast. Go furious. So first of all, I didn't hate it. We'll say that. Um, I just didn't like it. Like the last Fast movie, I hated like horrendous dog shit. This one, better, but still not great. And I have not given a yes to any movies in this franchise except for Fast Five. So you kind of know where I stand there. But I will say I respect the series for what it has become for a couple reasons. So just like before I shit on the movie, I just want to like make sure that I note a couple things that I do respect about Fast Furious. One, they're committed to what they do, old-fashioned, popcorn, blockbuster, mass entertainment. Like they know they, that's what they're in for. They do it. I like that. They also have done a lot with representation. Like they have a large, diverse cast. They're depicted in a positive light. Like anyone who goes to see this movie can find one of the characters on screen that like looks like them. And that's important, especially as this is clearly aimed at younger audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have a certain commitment to stunt driving, stunt coordination, like spectacle that, you know, we only see in a couple other franchises like Mission Impossible and James Bond and this. Like that's basically it. Everyone else is like full CG all the time. Um, so all that being said, uh, I still don't like the movies. I just respect them a little bit. Uh, <laughs> okay. The writing in this one in particularly is not great. The performances are forced. The plot is nonsensical. The action by the end does skew fully CG. Uh, it's a part one, which becomes dramatically clear as the movie ends on a ridiculous cliffhanger ending. Uh, and it just, I don't know, it doesn't really work for me. It's its just not that good. You've only given one yes to all of the 10 movies? Well, to be fair, the first few came out before I had the website. So, But in the history of the site, the only yes is Fast Five. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, a couple things in the news. Uh, apparently, uh, it seems like Vin Diesel has beef with everybody who's a co-star. He had beef with uh, The Rock. That's why The Rock's not coming back to any of his movies. Yeah. And now he's basically openly, openly shitting on Jason Momoa, says that he overacted in the film, and it was just like it took away from everything else. What do you, what do you think about those headlines? Let me... Uh, so Jason Momoa is interesting because he is he's the bad guy he's the leader of you know whoever's coming after them whatever he's you know <laughs> uh, from their past haunted past comes back they connect him retroactively they retcon him into a previous movie and then they say he's from this movie and now he's back type of thing oh i don't like that um, okay he does do a lot in terms of the acting um he's definitely trying to chew the scenery and be a fun villain uh, but it sometimes is like a little over the top for my personal taste. So yeah, he's mm. he's okay. Like he didn't do it for me though, as far as villains go. As far as the beef with people, I feel like I can share this at this point. The movie's been out long enough. Uh, there is a post credit scene, and Dwayne the Rock Johnson is coming back. So the beef is clearly well, not what the fuck, that man beefy. Well, it's beefy. It's plenty uh, beefy. There's a lot of beef in that movie. <laughs> Holy shit! Speaking of beef, does uh, Momoa pop off that shirt and show them pecs at any time? I mean, I feel like everybody shows their pecs. Oh, speaking of, <laughs> you know who's in this who? is the actor who plays uh, Reacher in the Amazon series. He's a new character in here. Uh, oh, Alan Richson or whatever his name is. Yeah, I forget his real name. I'm sorry, Jack yeah, he's Reacher. A, talk about beef. I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> fucking massive uh he's it he's pretty good um, prime rib because i just like him as an actor and he also knows sort of the movie he's in and has fun with it brie larson's in it for like two seconds 
Um, oh, it's a damn shame. It's just, yeah, they have obviously a lot of characters to service at this point. But even at two and a half hours, it it feels like half the scenes don't serve any purpose. And it just didn't really move for me pacing-wise either. I just hate how I feel like it lost its way after three or maybe four or five. Maybe five. Five was when they made the switch into like a little bit of over-the-topness, but it still was... Cars, is that when they like there was drive thing. it off the bridge and then they pull a parachute or whatever, or like they drive a car? Yeah. Out. The big, the big one from five is they drag the safe behind them as they like they, they, the the theft. They steal a giant safe and they drag it behind okay. two Dodge Chargers or whatever. And that was like over the top, but still car related and fun. Yeah, it was fun. Now it's like, yo, let's go. Yeah, let's steal a train with like a with a F two fifty, you know. And it's like, well, that's never gonna happen. Like, what happened to seven and eight? They're jumping Lambos between buildings and. Abu Dhabi or whatever. It's, yeah. yeah it's, it's like what happened insane. to like grounded street racing and like uh, like that. I just feel like it's just so stupid now. And again, I'm not the target audience. Like I'm not a kid that's like, oh, I want to like go see, you know, Lambos blow up skyscrapers and the Emirates. But I don't know. I just feel like it's just so fucking stupid. I feel like if if this came out when I was 15, like Mission Impossible 2 did. Like, I love Mission Impossible 2. I have a soft spot for it. And it is the most over-the-top and least good Mission Impossible movie. But it came out when I was 15. I saw it in theaters, and I absolutely loved it. And I still have that nostalgia. Yeah. So, like, if you grew up with these movies or you're younger, like, maybe you love them. Again, I respect what they're doing. I just personally don't like the choices they make. Good review. Love it. Uh, next is The Little Mermaid. So, according to imdb.com, a young mermaid makes a deal with a sea witch to trade her beautiful voice for human legs... So she can discover the world above water and impress a prince. Clocking in at a wonderful two hours and 15 minutes. Bill, should I go see it? No. I gave this one a no. I got some flack for it. But if I had to grade it, which I don't usually do, it's a C minus, maybe a C if I'm being generous. Still a passing grade. Uh, A couple things about this one. The movie just feels unnatural. Like That is the best word I can use to describe it. It is unnatural. Uh, and there's just a lot of things that just because of the mermaids. The I mean, I have a lot of things about it. The movement, uh, like any time a character moves around, especially underwater, it's awkward. It doesn't feel right. Uh, the animation, like in animation, you can do whatever you want and make it work. But when you have to create it out of like actual human bodies, it just feels off intrinsically. Because most of the time they're doing face matching to some CG mermaid body, obviously, and like it just doesn't it doesn't feel right. Uh, and the visual effects for the animals that are like hyper realistic, like the Lion King, but they're talking and singing just like the Lion King didn't feel right. Yeah. Uh, the prince's name being Eric. <laughs> I know that's from the original, but like that feels unnatural too. Like it's just Eric. I don't know. Is that weird? What? I, like Eric, weird. Yeah, I, don't, I guess I don't know a lot of Eric's now. Okay. Here's a question for you. And I bet none of them are princes. Yeah. Does it take place like, like in nowadays no or is it like, no it's still a, okay. it's still a period piece for sure a land long ago yeah okay so maybe eric was uh you know uh javier bardem feels unnatural it's just not great casting like he they have these shots of him treading water and clearly they're in a tank on like a disney back lot and it's just javier bardem just like <laughs> flopping up and down with wet hair it's like the whole movie just feels off uh and then there's not only that there's the viewing experience which i have to take you through uh, Why? So the movie comes out. It's a big movie. It's a Disney release. I want to get the review up as soon as possible. Sure. I'm off on, on Thursdays, which is when movies come out. It's perfect for me to get the review up ASAP. 
Mm-hmm. They did afternoon shows, which is great. I can get it up even earlier. So I go to like, I don't know, 2 p.m. show on a Thursday afternoon. And I go to see The Little Mermaid. Yeah, it's like a Meet the Predator episode. I am an adult male <laughs> sitting in the middle of a theater with little children dressed as Ariel running up and down the aisles around me. Like, all I'm trying to do is review a movie. Now I can't get within 100 yards of a school. Like, I don't know what happened. I just... <laughs> Meanwhile, the kid behind me, uh, who was, like, hanging on my seat at least three times, like... Yeah, they don't know. Just breathing into my ear. Uh, yeah. At one point, she turns to her mom and says, Mommy, when is the movie going to be over? And I'm sitting there going, like, great question, kid, because this movie is two <laughs> hours and 15 minutes long. It's 45 minutes longer than the original. And there's three additional songs that add no value. It's just, it's, it's a pale imitation of the original. It does not justify its own existence. Besides, besides being a star-making vehicle for Halle Bailey, like, she was great. The lead, uh, you know, playing Ariel, she was fantastic. There's, like, some rom-com-type segments in the middle of the movie when they're on land, and she's you know, obviously needs to get Eric to kiss her from the, the whole storyline. And that's great. I would just watch a rom-com with them. Like, the, all the above-ground stuff was good. It, but when you get underwater, it just gets so weird. All right, Bill. Uh, the next movie we will be talking about is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which sounds a lot like a Beatles tune. According to IMDb.com, Miles Morales catapults across the multiverse where he encounters a team of spider people charged with protecting its very existence. When the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles must redefine what it means to be a hero. Bill, should I go see it? Yes. Oh, my God, yes. Uh, It is remarkable, incredible, Amazing. All the adjectives. Any adjective I can throw at this movie that's positive, I'm going to throw at it. It was amazing. Um, One thing to note so that you don't get angry at the end, like I almost did if I hadn't been told this ahead of time, it is a part one. And part two, beyond the Spider-Verse, should be coming out next spring. So we'll wait a year versus waiting you know, four years or whatever for this one. Oh, wow. Okay. But it is a part one which became apparent when we were like two plus hours in and I'm like sitting there going, we've covered a lot of ground so far and I doesn't feel like we're wrapping up and then it, it ends. But uh, it's, it's just amazing. You can't even talk about this movie without starting with the look of it. Like it's gorgeous. It dials up a notch animation wise, even from the first one, which I didn't think there were any notches left to dial, but they figure it out. The various art styles come together, unlike anything you've ever seen. The action scenes are obviously amazing, but there's also really quiet moments that are also stunning. Like there's a dialogue scene on a rooftop between Miles and Gwen that is the highlight of the movie to me. It's breathtaking. Um, You know, Chris McQuarrie, the Mission Impossible director, says that if you want to learn about great directing, watch a movie with the sound off and see if you can still follow it. Mm -hmm. And this movie, you could do that easily if you pause this movie at any moment that whatever frame you land on you could print and sell it in stores like it's a work of art wow whoa glowing uh, reviews i'm telling you and then you get into like the soundtrack which is perfect the voice acting is amazing um just to recap some of the story it follows pretty directly the first movie into the spider-verse it deals with the aftermath of sort of the collider explosion and the multiverse storyline from that original Yep. Um, and it starts with Miles kind of fully in 
Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 mode where he's trying to balance his life and being Spider-Man and how it affects his home life, how it affects his relationship with his parents in particular. So a lot of emotional beats come from that. I will say this movie's not quite as funny as the first movie. It definitely leans heavier into the emotional piece. It's still funny, but it's not... You know, the first movie is hilarious. Um, but it's just one of those movies where everything works. Like, they know what they're doing. The love and care and attention that goes into it is, is obvious on the screen. Um, I think I liked it actually a little bit better than the original because you don't have to deal with any introductions or clunkiness of, of introductions. You can just get right into the Spider-Man stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. Uh, you are not alone. It's taking the internet and the reviewers by storm. Uh, the one question I had for this is how does, uh, like, you know, we've heard from DC and their, their new cinematic universe that, like, there are going to be entities that are not part of the canon line. Like, there'll be standalone movies, i.e. the Batman or the Joker, that live in its own world that are tied to characters, but they'd have no relationship to the universe that's being built. Now you have movies like this and, and Marvel Land, or I don't know if this is a Sony Land or Marvel Land, that is so good. It's part of a three-story arc. Like, how does that fit into the current world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe we know? Or is it clear that this is a standalone, one-shot-in-time thing? Because especially when you bring in Miles Morales, who now, you know, he had several comic book runs. You know, he became the new Peter Parker, you know, this up-and-coming super smart, funny black kid from New York. Like, he's a new Spider-Man. Like, how does this fit into the world of the MCU? And is, is, is Miles, do you think, going to be the next kind of Peter Parker that we see after Tom Holland kind of passes the torch off? There does, there, I don't know if it's confirmed, but it does, there's a lot of talk about a Miles Morales live action movie. How that would work, I don't know. But if you're just looking at it in the context of this movie, it does seem to be very standalone. I mean, this one is made by Sony because they have the rights to Spider-Man. It's just in conjunction with basically Marvel sign-off. Uh, they have a lot of Easter eggs in this movie that point to some of the other Marvel stuff for fun, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be connected in any sort of concrete way. I heard a thing online, too, that there is some sort of big fight scene in the movie that took four years to animate. Care to comment? I wouldn't be surprised by that. I wouldn't be surprised by that. I'd have to see which one it is. I mean, I got a couple guesses, but yeah, again, it the the affection that the creators have for this content is just palpable when you see it on screen. Yeah, uh, Bill, I would love to see this in theaters because I think it is deserving of a theater experience. I'll probably catch it at home, but I'm very excited to see uh, the follow up to in the Spider Verse. Inside this photo? Into. So, yeah. Um, cool. All right. So, we have a, a few other little quick hits of movies that you've seen this week or in the, in the last period. Uh, one was The Boogeyman, and the other was Transformers Rise of the Beast. Why don't you give a little kind of two-second thoughts around each of those movies? Yeah. Uh, the Boogeyman is a yes. Uh, surprisingly good. It's just a really strong horror movie. Um, and especially for a PG-13 horror movie, you could certainly do a lot worse. Like, this is, is well done for, for the rating. Um, it's similar to Smile, which I loved from last year, but it's a little bit less psychological horror and more traditional horror. It's not quite as intense. Again, it's PG-13 versus R. Um, but just good writing, good acting. Technique was top-notch in terms of jump scares and just how it's put together. 
you know, every monster is a metaphor and like the writing in this movie is really smart and clever and, and spot on. Um, it's just a great, it's just a great flick. I don't, I honestly wrote like no real notes to be honest, like just well done. Uh, it stars the person that we've said is the weirdest Hollywood creep of all time. Right. We, didn't we talk about that in the episode? Dave Desmolchin. Yeah. Yeah. Sure enough. He plays a crazy guy. What is he like the dad or something? No, he, so the Chris Messina plays the father of two daughters. Uh, their mother slash his wife recently died. He's a therapist. And then Dave DeSmolchin, who's a stranger, pops into his office unexpectedly and kind of brings a curse with him of sorts. But he, his kids recently died and they blame him for it, but he says it's the boogeyman. And so then the boogeyman curse kind of moves from DeSmolchin to Messina and his family. We were talking about him uh, from Boston Strangler a few weeks ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Boss Strangler, The Dark Knight. Polka Dot Man. Like he, yeah. He's always, he always plays those weird, creepy roles. He was on uh, Light, Lights, Camera, Barstool a few months ago, and he, I think he's just as weird of a human being in real life than he is on screen. So you do you, Dave. Uh, okay, and the second one is the new Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Yeah, so this is a no. My, my, my joking review that I wrote but didn't actually write is, Rise of the Beast, more like rise out of my seat and leave early. Am I right? Uh, <laughs> uh, it was, I will say it was better than some other recent entries, like the Wahlberg movies. It's better than the Wahlberg Transformers movies. Um, but it's more the same. Like, I was really excited that they were adding Beast Wars characters because I watched Beast Wars when I was a kid. But they didn't really do that much. The enemies are generic it takes place in 1994, which is cool, except huh. it's a planetary threat. And I'm like, if they didn't make clear whether this is connected or not. So I'm like, well, the planet's clearly not going to get destroyed because we haven't gotten to the Shia LaBeouf movies yet. So like, yeah, okay. So like, what, what are if we doing If this happened here? before Shia LaBeouf, and that was the first time that we saw the Transformers, then what happens in this one when they actually came 20 years or 15 years beforehand? They've been hiding in plain sight, AJ. I don't know. That's their whole thing. <laughs> Driving around, man. Infrastructure. Trucks. It's, it's Amazon deliveries. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a bummer because Bumblebee, the standalone Bumblebee movie with Haley Steinfeld, was so good. I gave that probably the only one I gave a yes to besides maybe the original uh, and that felt like they finally broke the mold and made a like a more intimate movie, a funny movie. Flag on the play. Flag on the play. Bias. You have a Haley Steinfeld bias. Okay, I do love Haley Steinfeld, but be that as it may, that movie was funny, intimate, not a end of the world stakes. Like it was just a really good movie, and so I was kind of hoping that they would follow that thread, but instead they just went like right back to the Michael Bay playbook. And I like Michael Bay, but that's not the point. Michael Bay didn't even direct this one either. I know, but he produced it, and he sort of set the vision with that first one. Wait, uh, so this one had had animals, but Age of Extinction had dinosaurs, Dinobots. That's correct. Craig, are you are you having a hard time following this fucking shit? I, my eyes glazed over. Uh, I, I peeked at the get rise out of your seat joke, and <laughs> you know I'm just sort of waiting for the next segment right now. I will. I'll, I'll spoil one thing, AJ, because I think you'll enjoy it. And again, the movie's been out for a little bit at this point. There is a mid-credit scene yeah. where our hero of the movie uh, is uh, propositioned by a guy because he has a job that he needs him for. And he gives him a business card. And he turns over the business card and it says G.I. Joe. And then it ends. 
So that's, they are teasing a potential crossover between Transformers and G.I. Joe, which, again, is it related to the other G.I. Joe movies we've seen? I have no idea. Was this a hard reboot of Transformers? I have no idea. You know what have been sick? Even fucking better? What? If it was like the allegiance of Captain America. Mm. No, not Captain America. Like- Captain Planet. Oh, Captain Planet. Yes, Captain Planet would be fun. <laughs> and then he gave him a ring in there. Like, he opened the pouch and there was a fucking power ring in there. No, a fucking Margot Robbie showed up and it was a Barbie crossover. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Hasbro and Mattel are just printing fucking money. All right. Uh, okay. Whew. That was a lot of... That was a lot of... That was a lot. Seen though. a lot of movies the last couple Good weeks. for... We were real. We were real backed up there. Backed we were up. Backed we are cleansed. Good to get the pipes flowing again. Yep. All right, Bill. On to our next segment, Netflix and Bill. Uh, what have you been watching? So I mentioned on the last episode, Love and Death, the Max original limited series with Elizabeth Olsen and Jesse Plemons. Uh, that is now over. I finished it. It was pretty good, I guess. If I had to sum it up, like it's not a must see, but you could do worse. And it's based on a true story, which makes it interesting. Acting is great. Love that. Um, so, yeah, it was fine. It was fine. Didn't light my world on fire, but it's good. Okay. And then we had our Succession and Barry finales ever since our last episode as well. Yeah, let's I don't let's know how deep we want to go or how spoilery we want to go. Well, I, mean, I will say I was very satisfied with Succession, mildly satisfied with Barry. Yeah, I don't know. You want to you want to double click into Succession first or into Barry first? Let's get Barry out of the way. Here's the thing with Barry: is that I love Bill Hader so much, and I the the sky is the limit for for this gentleman. I think he's going to go on and do amazing things. And I think what he was trying to do is like to show the different like. It was a comedy. It was clear comedy, and then as the, the it progressed into the last season, season and a half, it still at heart was a comedy, but like there was some shit that he started to do from like a horror drama, like psychological thriller that overtook the core thing of what Barry had always been about. And I think he found a way to wrap it up in the end and make it make sense. I am just disappointed that it became a pretty significant departure from that like really dark comedy that I fell in love with to like this weird over-the-top psychological dramedy, I feel like that is. Like, Fuchs' evolution was just insane towards the end of it. Like, NoHo Hank, I feel, had a really good, like, character arc. And then that last season, they just fast-forward a ton of, like, who he became, like, within a matter of one or two episodes. I don't know. I'm, I'm slightly disappointed. And then there's a whole, like, the Sally thing, like, was she seeing what she was seeing and like what was going on with her? Like there was just a lot of shit going on that I just had more questions and answers, so to speak. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I know a lot of people didn't like it. I heard I got a couple texts from people that said they didn't really care for the finale. Um, but for me, again, I think it was fine. Uh, finales are very difficult to begin with, as we all know. So the fact that it was good is enough for me. I'm not going to rake it over the coals because it wasn't perfect or whatever because uh, it's so few, rarely happens so i thought it was fine i thought it was satisfactory for me i kind of agree with that it, like as a standalone like of all the episodes of barry that we've seen was that one anywhere near the top no but it got the job done it 
put a bow on the thing. It ended ended the story in a way that was satisfactory and not annoying, and I was, I was fine with it. I agree with you generally, though, AJ, about like the change in the tone of the show. I actually kind of enjoyed it once I began to understand it, right? Because there was a period of time where I was like, I thought this was supposed to be funny. But once yeah. I sort of like I went past like denial and like wound up at acceptance, um, then it, it started. It, I just, you know, it was it was working for me all, all, all season. The, the one thing that I didn't love, though, speaking of Noho Hank, who's like such a great oh, character yeah. all time. Like, I don't I don't want to spoil it, but like there's like something that happens in this most recent season that is very emotional for Noho Hank. And he basically ceases to be funny for like after that point. So it's yeah. like the last like back half of this whole season. Noho Hank is like kind of sort of like just his whole way of being and like the way that he delivers his lines is funny, like on its face. Right. Um, but he basically stops being you know, comedic relief after a certain point. And he was the only character left that was even a- a- attempting to be like humor. True. He does have that moment. I mean, this is spoilers. If you've gotten this far, you've, we've basically spoiled the entire show. Um, uh, that scene where they're trying to kill Fuchs and he's like, they shoot the one rocket and he just completely misses. And he's like, all right, give me another one. And he's like, well, you said it was, it wasn't in the budget. You wanted to cut costs. That was fucking hysterical. Cut costs by buying less office supplies, not by bringing <laughs> one fucking rocket. And then they chase him down the kill and they, he, they kill the driver. And then he calls Fuchs to be like, can you stop shooting at me, please? Yeah. You got the car surrounded and you're hearing him through the cell phone. That was a great sequence. Uh, succession. I felt very satisfied. I thought they did do a great job with the ending. Oh man. Um, uh, yeah, I I don't have many notes on that one. I thought it was just really well done. Glad they sort of ended where they did. I feel like they told a complete story in the four seasons, um, which is exactly what they would set out to do. Um, and yeah, I loved it. That was great. It was good. It was great. I mean, they leave the door open for a multitude of different things. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, hopefully they don't go through any of those doors. Like I say, let it be, but. Uh, AJ, there's two other things that I watched, both documentaries that scratched my itch for 90s nostalgia. Uh, oh, how Dunkaroos are made? No. The Dunkening? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> the Dunkening. Uh, so there was, they're both, from, they're both sports documentaries from ESPN. One is an E60 uh, called Once Upon a Time in Anaheim about the Mighty Ducks in terms of the movie the movie coming out, the reception of the movie, and then Disney creating a hockey team franchise and deciding to name it after that, and then how that team did the first season. That's kind of the time frame that it covers. It interviews all the major players. Uh, it's They interview the writer of the movie, and like the first third, if you will, is about how he came up with it and writing it, and then the movie reception, which was like a movie that did okay, and then all of a sudden started to do better in the box office week after week as word of mouth spread. Simultaneously the owner of the LA Kings is trying to convince Disney to like buy a franchise during expansion. And he finally decides to do it. And they're like, well, what do we do with the team? And like, well, we got this Mighty Ducks movie that's doing well. And then deciding to to meld those things. And like the public and the hockey crowd hating it and thinking it's dumb and kitty and whatever. And the players on the team being like, I have to be a fucking Mighty Duck. Are you kidding? Like I'm a professional fucking hockey player. Well, those guys are fucking idiots because it's probably one of the best jerseys and logos in sports history. Right. Well, they're idiots for changing it. The, the current Anaheim Ducks logo and jersey situation is absolutely atrocious. Oh, like the webbed foot D? The stupid thing? foot. Yeah. It's just, it's so bad. One of the worst jerseys in sports. And you guys know I'm a big jersey guy. 
<laughs> you do are. You are. That was something that was interesting that I didn't know and I learned from the documentary is that they're like, I realized they had like modified to the Anaheim Ducks. I didn't realize that Disney sold the team flat out and it's just like, it's just not the Mighty Ducks anymore. Or Ducks' penises are in the shape of a corkscrew? Yeah, they're crazy looking. I have heard that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that was one. Highly recommend. You can use the ESPN app uh, and okay. watch that. Yeah. And then the other one I watched was a two-part 30 for 30 about American gladiators. 60 for two. And <laughs> basically. <laughs> and I watched American gladiators as a kid, obviously. Did you just want to fucking take test and just fight people with oh yeah dude when you watch foam rocket launchers bill's bill's taping pillows to broomsticks in his house swinging it around (laughs) jousting (laughs) it made me miss the show so much and like there's a a large part of it that's about the show and they interview gladiators and the athletic piece of it and that's all that's fascinating i loved all that unfortunately a large part of the documentary is about the creation of it, the creator of it and his backstory and like him screwing out his best friend out of the franchise, even though they came up with it together. It's like a lot of like hunting down the original actual creator, a lot of human interest stuff that I frankly didn't care about. I just want to learn more about the gladiators and see the old footage. But either way, very good. Worth a watch. Love that. Love that. Uh, sports thing, uh, which is going to be a long shot, but tied in. Uh, we talked about the, um, Full swing documentary on Netflix following the PGA Tour of last year. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. And that came out. Uh, they A couple weeks ago, they announced that they're filming for season two, which will be out next year. And the big news in the golf world is that the Live and the PGA have now merged into one golf entity. So will that be part of this? Have they been documenting this process as well? So the... the Full Swing tweeted out the morning it got announced was like, you're fucking damn sure that we had the cameras rolling when this was announced. Oh, see that? I might watch. Uh, but that's n- enough about... That's Golf Talk. Uh, golf Talk this that's week. That's been Tea Talk. That's Golf Talk. That's <laughs> Tea Talk. Uh, Bill, what? You probably have a million tickets to go see movies. What do you got? Oh, my God. So many. Uh, well, actually, let's start with TV because I'm very excited today as of this recording, Thursday, June 15th. Black Mirror Season 6 out now. Uh, there are six six episodes. Yeah, six episodes dumped out, about an hour each. One's like an hour 20. Nice. Um, I'm so amped to get into that show again. So that's on my to-do list this weekend for sure. Feels like it's been a very long time since there was a Black Mirror thing. And the last Black Mirror season was only three episodes. So to get six is nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was the one with um, yep. Miley Cyrus, I think, was in one of them. Yeah, those three that came out, not great. So hopefully these new six are going to be great. Um, also, in honor of this, last night I went back and rewatched my favorite Black Mirror episode, Hang the DJ. Still holds up. Still my favorite. Incredible. So plug for that. Uh, okay. And then The Bear Season 2 is coming later this month. So excited for that. While Fuck yes. Well. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. And then for movies, I am seeing The Flash today. So we'll re- review that yep. in the next episode. Very excited for that. I have a ticket to see the new Pixar film, Elemental, um, which is getting like middle-of-the-road reviews, so kind of curious. Yeah. I have a ticket for Indiana Jones. Dun, 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 dun. Um, I got my Oppenheimer ticket, which I've been saying for a long time. This is my most anticipated movie of the year, obviously. Interesting note about Oppenheimer, it is officially rated R. It is only the second uh, Chris Nolan 
R-rated film. Is that because they dropped an atomic bomb on a population of people or because of the dialogue? Nah, I think it said sexual content and drug use. Was they're le- they're less does concerned he, with does the Does he do a fucking line off the tail of fucking big boy? Like, what? what is... I mean, I don't know. It's this, you know, this is all taking place in the 40s. Doctors were prescribing um, meth back then. Who knows what's going on? <laughs> yeah. But it's rated R, which is um, fine. If it deserves that rating, great. Uh, I'm all for it to lean in. Like, I'm glad that they didn't sacrifice any of the storytelling he wanted to make to make a PG-13. The downside is you don't make... Typically, you don't make as much money on R as you do PG-13. Yeah, it's going to make it. Shutting out an audience. But I don't care because I'm an adult. And then Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Tickets on sale now. I got an early access show. It comes out on a Wednesday, which is weird to begin with. But I got a ticket to see it on the Monday. Oh, wow. So I am. Early access. You also sound like a a monster monster truck announcer. (laughs) Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Tickets on sale now. We'll sell you the whole seat, but you only need the edge. edge. <laughs> uh, I am so excited for that one. Obviously, my favorite franchise, my favorite actor. I'm just like, I'm, I'm amped. When's that come out? July 12. But I'll have the review posted on July 10. Wow. Flex. Ooh, early access, folks. You heard it first. Hell yeah. Hey, did you hear about Oppenheimer? Before we leave, Oppenheimer is shot in both black and white and in color, or edited in black and white and in color. I think you were the one that told me that, actually. Yeah, sure did. So all the color scenes are directly from Oppenheimer's point of view, and then all of the black and white are factual accounts of what happened in rooms and or situations. Yeah. So the movie switches back and forth? Yeah. Christopher Nolan said this is the first time he's ever written a movie from the point of view of a, an actual character itself. So like you get to see what Oppenheimer thought, felt, saw, experienced from like his mind in the color scenes, and then anything that was like, historical factual information switches over to the scenes that are then in black and white. Well, yeah, I think they have some scenes. I mean, I shut my eyes during the trailer, but I can still hear things. And it sounded like (laughs) when they have the, you know, they have hearings about whether he's a communist or not later on in his life. And I'm guessing they're going to pull from transcripts for that. And I'm guessing that that would then be black and white because it's actually the transcript. Uh, But Nolan certainly has... Training in this, I mean, the film Memento, his breakout hit from 2000, are maybe my favorite movie of all time, uh, is also black and white in color, depending on which part of the timeline sequence we're, we're in. So he has the expertise to do it, no doubt. Love that. Well, boys, it's good to be back. Craig, I'm glad you're back on Terra Firma, home of the Freedom Fries, and back-to-back World War champions. Bill, good to see your face. Last time we were together, we were in a car for 37 hours together, but I still love you, buddy. Glad you're still friends. Yeah, good to see you too. Yeah, we made it through. Uh, Thank you for listening to the Should I Go See It podcast. Please make sure to tell your friends. Follow on Instagram at Should I Go See It. 